Chapter Nine of Jeremy and Hamlet by Hugh Walpole. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Nine: The Picture Book. One. September one was Mary's birthday, and it had always something of a melancholy air about it because it meant that the holidays were drawing to a close. Soon there would be the last bathe, the last picnic, the last plunge across the moor, the last waking to the sharp, poignant cry of the flying, swerving gulls then in strange sudden fashion like the unclicking of a door that opens into another room the summer had suddenly slipped aside giving place to autumn not full autumn yet only a few leaves turning a few fires burning in the fields the sea only a little colder in colour the sky at evening a chillier green but the change was there and with it polchester and close behind polchester old thompson stepped towards them yes mary's birthday marked the beginning of the end and in addition to that there was the desperate urgent question of present giving mary took her present giving or rather present getting with the utmost seriousness no one in the whole world minded quite so desperately as she what she got who gave it her and how it was given not that she was greedy indeed no she was not like helen who guessed the price of everything that she received and had what uncle samuel called a regular shop mind it was all sentiment with mary what she wanted was that someone anyone should love her and therefore give her something she knew that uncle samuel did not love her and she suffered not therefore the slightest unhappiness did he forget her natal day but she would have cried for a week had jeremy forgotten it she did not mind did jeremy only spend sixpence on his gift but he was a generous boy and always spent everything that at the moment he had so that she might be sure that he had taken a little trouble in the buying of it jeremy knew all this well enough and in earlier years the question of buying had been simple because cow farm was miles from anywhere the nearest village being the fishing cove of raphael and raphael had only one shop general and the things in this shop general were all visible in the window from year's end to year's end mary therefore received on her birthday something with which by sight at least she was thoroughly familiar now this year there were new conditions the nearest village with shops was st mary's moor some six miles away it was there that the purchase must be made and in any case it would be on this occasion a real novelty jeremy tried to discover by those circumlocutory but self-revealing methods peculiar to intending present givers what mary would like supposing just supposing that someone one day were to die and most unexpectedly leave a lot of money to mary what would she buy this was the kind of game that mary adored and she entered into it thoroughly she would buy an enormous library thousands and thousands of books she would buy a town and fill it with sweet shops and then put hundreds of poor children into it to eat as much as they liked she would buy polchester cathedral and make father bishop this was flying rather too high and so jeremy somewhat precipitately asked her what she would do were she given fifteen shillings and sixpence 
she considered and being that morning in a very christian frame of mind decided that she would give it to miss jones to buy a new hat with mentally cursing girls and their tiresome ways jeremy outwardly polite altered his demands to no but suppose you were given five shillings and threepence halfpenny the exact sum saved at that moment by him and had to spend it for yourself mary what would you get with it she would get a book yes but what book she clasped her hands and looked to heaven oh there were so many that she wanted she wanted the young stepmother and dinaberst terrace the scottish chiefs and quiche and sylvian bruno and queen's marie and and hundreds and hundreds well she couldn't buy hundreds with five and threepence halfpenny that was certain and if she thought that he was going to she was very much mistaken but at least he had got his answer it was a book that she wanted the next thing was to go to st mary's moor he found the opportunity ready to his hand because miss jones had to go to buy some things that were needed for the family the very next afternoon he would go with her mary thought that she would go too and when jeremy told her with an air of great mystery that that was impossible she looked so self-conscious that he could have smacked her the journey in the old ramshackle omnibus was a delightful adventure it happened on this particular afternoon that all the carlion farmers and their wives were going too and there was a fine old crush hamlet fixed tightly on his lead sat between his master's legs his tongue out his hair on end and his bright eyes wicked darting from place to place he saw so many things that he would like to do parcels that he would like to worry legs that he would like to smell laps that he would like to investigate he gave sudden jerks at the lead, suited himself to the rolling and jolting of the bus, so that he should be flung as near as possible to the leg, parcel, or lap that he most wished to investigate. Jeremy, then, was very busy. Miss Jones, who was a good woman and by now thoroughly appreciated by all the members of the Cole family, including Jeremy himself, who always took her under his especial protection when they went out anywhere, had in all her years never learnt that first of all social laws never try to talk in a noisy vehicle and had a long story about one edmund spencer from whose mother she had that morning received a letter she treated jeremy as a friend and contemporary one of the reasons for his liking of her and he was always deeply interested in her histories but to-day owing to the terrific rumblings rattlings and screaming of the bus and to the shrieking and shouting of the farmers and their ladies he could only catch occasional words and was not sure at the end of it all whether edmund spencer were animal vegetable or mineral his confusion was complete when just as they were rattling into st mary's one and only street miss jones screamed into his ear and so they had to give her boiled milk four times a day and nothing else except an occasional potato the omnibus drew up in front of the dog and rabbit and every one departed on their various affairs st mary's was like a little wayside station on the edge of a vast brindled crinkled moorland brown and grey and green rucking away to the smooth pale eggshell blue of the afternoon sky the sea wind came ruffling up to them where they stood 
what storms of wind and rain there must be in the winter all the houses of the long straggling street seemed to be blown a bit askew jeremy and miss jones looked around them and at once the inevitable general sprang to view miss jones had to go into the hotel about some business for the rectory and telling jeremy to stay just where he was and that she wouldn't be more than just five minutes vanished having been told to stay where he was it was natural of him to wander down the street inspect a greasy pond with some ducks three children playing marbles and two mongrel dogs and then flatten his nose against the window of the general inspection proved very disappointing there seemed to be nothing here that he could possibly offer to mary bootlaces cards of buttons mysterious articles of underwear foggy bottles containing bull's eyes sticks of licorice cakes of soap copies of home chat and the woman's journal some pairs of very dilapidated-looking slippers some walking sticks portraits of queen victoria and the prince of wales highly colored none of these unless possibly the royal family but no even to jeremy's untrained eye the color was a little bright and old victoria no mary wanted a book he stared up and down the street in great agitation he must buy something before miss jones came out of the inn he did not want her to see what it was that he bought the moments were slipping by there was nothing here the two half-crowns and the three-penny piece in his tightly clenched palm were hot and sticky he looked again there really was nothing then staring down the street towards the open moor and the eventual sea he saw a little bulging bottle-glass window that seemed to have coloured things in it he turned and almost ran it was the last shop in the street and a funny dumpty whitewashed cottage with a pretty garden on its farther seaward side the bottle-glass window protected the strangest things in another place and at another time it might not be uninteresting to tell the story of mr redpath of how he opened a curiosity shop in st mary's of all places and of the adventures happy and otherwise that he encountered there in the shop window there were glasses of blue with tapering stems and squat old men smoking pipes painted in the gayest colors and pottery jugs to drink out of and there were old chains of beaten and figured silver and golden boxes and the model of a ship with full sails and a gorgeous figurehead of red and gold and there were old pictures in dim frames and a piece of a colored rug and lots and lots of other things as well jeremy pushed the door back heard a little bell tinkle above his head and at once was in a shop so crowded that it was impossible to see t'other from which a young man with a pale face and carroty hair was behind the very high counter so high that jeremy's nose just tipped the level of it have you got such a thing as a book he asked very politely the young man smiled what sort of a book well she said she wanted kichi or sylvie and bruno or well, i've forgotten the names of the others you haven't got those two i suppose no i haven't said the young man quite grave now have you got any books said jeremy breathlessly because time was slipping by and he had to stand on his toes 
well i've got this old bible said the young man producing a thick heavy volume with brass clasps you see it's got rather fine pictures i think you'd better sit on this he added producing a high stool you'll be able to see better oh that's very nice said jeremy fascinated by moses twisting a serpent around his very muscular arm as though it were a piece of string how much is this eight pounds and ten said the young man as though he'd said a halfpenny i think i'd better tell you at once said jeremy leaning his elbows confidentially on the counter that i've only got five shillings and threepence halfpenny the young man scratched his head i doubt if we've got any book he began then suddenly uh, perhaps this will be the very thing if you like pictures he burrowed deep down in the back somewhere and then produced two or three long flat-looking books dusty and a faded yellow he wiped them with a cloth and presented them to jeremy at the first sight of them he knew that they were what he wanted he read the titles one was robinson crusoe another the swiss family robinson the third masterman ready he looked at crusoe and gave a delighted squeal of ecstasy as he turned over the pages the print was funny and blacker than he had ever seen print before the pictures were colored and richly colored the reds and greens and purples sinking deep into the page oh it was a lovely book a perfect book the very very thing for mary how much is it he asked trembling before the answer exactly five shillings and threepence halfpenny said the young man gravely that is strange said jeremy almost crowing with delight and keeping his hand on the book unless it should suddenly melt away that's just what i've got isn't that lucky very fortunate indeed said the young man shall i wrap it up for you oh yes please do and very carefully please so nobody can guess what it is the young man was very clever about this and when he emerged from the back of the shop he had with him a parcel that might easily have been a ship or a railway train jeremy paid his money climbed down from his stool then held out his hand good-bye he said and thank you i'll come again one day and look at the other things in your shop please do said the young man bowing he went out the little bell tinkling gaily behind him and there coming at that very moment out of the hotel was miss jones two we all know the truth of the familiar proverb that distance lends enchantment to the view and it was never more true of anything in the world than of parcels all the way back in the bus the book grew and grew in magnificence simply because jeremy could not see it he clutched the parcel tightly on his knees and resisted all miss jones's attempts to discover its contents back in the rectory he rushed up to his bedroom locked the door and then with trembling fingers undid the paper the first glimpse of robinson crusoe and the footmark on the sand thrilled him so that the whitewashed walls of his room faded away and the thin pale evening glow passed into a sky of burning blue and a scarlet cockatoo flew screaming above his head and the sand lay hot and sugar-brown at his feet mystery was there the footprints in the sand and crusoe with his shaggy beard and peaked hat staring 
feverishly his fingers turned the pages and picture after picture opened for his delight he had never before seen a book with so many pictures pictures so bright and yet so true pictures so real that you could almost touch the trees and the figures and caruso's hatchet he knelt then on the floor the book spread out upon the bed so deeply absorbed that it was with a terrific jolt that he heard the banging on the door and mary's voice aren't you coming jeremy we're halfway through supper the bell went hours ago mary he had forgotten all about her of course this book was for her just the book for her she would love the pictures he had forgotten all about he went down to supper and was bewildered and absent-minded throughout the meal that night his dreams were all of crusoe of burning sands and flaming skies of the crimson cockatoo and man friday when he woke he jumped at once out of bed and ran on naked feet to the book as a rule the next morning is the testing time and too often we find that the treasure that we bought the day before has already lost some of its glitter and shine now it was not so the pictures had grown better and better richer and ever more rich the loveliest pictures just the book for mary it was then standing half stripped before his basin pausing as he always did ere he made the icy attack with the sponge that he realized his temptation he did not want to give the book to mary he wanted to keep it for himself while he dressed the temptation did not approach him very closely it was so horrible a temptation that he did not look it in the eye he was a generous little boy had never done a mean thing in all his life he was always eager to give anything away although he had a strong and persistent sense of possessions so that he loved to have his things near him and they seemed to him his books and his toys and his football as alive as the people around him he had never felt anything so alive as this book was when he came down to breakfast he was surprised to find that the sight of mary made him feel rather cross she always had in excess of others the capacity for irritating him as she herself well knew this morning she irritated him very much her birthday would be four days from now he would be glad when it arrived he could give her the book and the temptation would be over indeed he would like to give her the book now and have done with it by the middle of the day he was considering whether he could not give her something else just as good and keep the book for himself he wrapped the book in all its paper but ran up continually to look at it she would like something else just as much she would like something else more after all robinson crusoe was a book for boys but the trouble was that he had now no money he would receive threepence on saturday the last saturday before mary's birthday but what could you get with threepence five shillings of the sum with which he had bought mary's present had been given him by uncle samuel and uncle samuel's next present would be the tip before he went to school that afternoon he quarrelled with mary for no reason at all he was sitting under the oak tree on the lawn reading red gauntlet mary came and asked him whether she could take hamlet for a run hamlet as though he were a toy dog made of springs was leaping up and down he did not like mary but he adored a run no you can't said jeremy 
oh jeremy why can't i i'll take the greatest care of him and those horrid little boys are gone away now and you can't because i say you can't oh jeremy do that he started up from his chair all rage and indignation look here mary if you go on talking she walked away down the garden her head hanging in that tiresome way it had when she was unhappy hamlet tried to follow her so he called him back he came but was quite definitely in the sulks sitting his head raised very proud wrath in his eyes snapping angrily at an occasional fly red gauntlet was spoilt for jeremy he put the book down and tried to placate hamlet who knew his power and refused to be placated why didn't he let mary take hamlet what a pig he was he would be nice to mary when she came back but when she did return that face of hers with its beseeching look irritated him so deeply that he snapped at her more than before after all robinson crusoe was a book for boys two days later he had decided quite definitely that he could not part with it he must find something else for her something very fine indeed the best thing that he had he thought of every possible way of making money but time was so short and ways of making money quickly were so few he thought of asking his father for the pocket money of many weeks in advance but it would have to be so very many weeks in advance to be worth anything at all and his father would want to know what he needed the money for and after the episode of last christmas he did not wish to say anything about presents he thought of selling something but there was no place to sell things in and he had not anything that anyone else wanted he thought of asking his mother but she would send him to his father who always managed the family finances he went over all his private possessions the trouble with them was that mary knew them all so well impossible to pretend that there was anything there that she would want he collected the most hopeful of them and laid them out on the bed a pocket-knife three books a photograph frame rubbed at the edges a watch-chain that had seemed at first to be silver but now most certainly was not a leather pocket-book a red blotting-pad not a very brilliant collection he did not now dare to look at the book at all he put it away in the bottom of the chest of drawers he thought that perhaps if he did not see it nor take it out of its brown paper until the actual day that it would be easier to give but he had imagination as in later years he was to find to his cost and the book grew and grew in his mind the pictures flaming like suns the spirit of the book smiling at him saying to him with confidential friendship we belong to one another you and i no one shall part us then helen said to him what are you going to give mary on her birthday why he asked suspiciously i only wanted to know i've got mine everyone knows you went into st mary's and bought something mary herself knows that was the worst of being part of a family everyone knew everything perhaps it wasn't for mary he said helen sniffed of course if you don't want to tell me she said i don't care to know then he discovered the little glass bottle with the silver stopper it had been given him two years ago on his birthday by a distant cousin who happened to be staying with him at the time what anybody wanted to give a boy a glass bottle with a stopper for jeremy could not conceive 
Mary had always liked it, had picked it up and looked at it with longing. Of course, she knew that it had been his for two years. He looked at it, and even as Adam years ago with the apple, he fell. 3. Mary's birthday came, and with it a day of burning, glowing color. The first early autumn mists were hanging like veils of thinly sheeted bronze before the grass wet with heavy dew, the sky of azure, the sea crystal pale. In the mist, the rectory was a giant box of pearl. The air smelt of distant fires. On such a day, who would not be happy? And Mary was perhaps the happiest little girl in the kingdom. Happy as she was, she lost much of her plainness, her eyes sparkling behind her glasses, her mouth smiling. Something tender and poignant in her, some distant prophecy of her maturity, one day beautifully to be fulfilled, coming forth in her, because she felt that she was beloved, even though it was only for an hour. She was lucky in her presence. Her mother gave her a silver watch, a little darling, quite small, with the hours marked in blue on the face, and her father gave her a silver watch chain, so thin that you thought it would break if you looked at it, and in reality so strong that not the strongest man in the world could break it. Aunt Amy gave her a muff, soft and furry, and Helen gave her a red leather blotter, and Uncle Samuel sent her a book, the very Denovan Terrace, that she wanted. How did he know? And Miss Jones gave her a work basket with the prettiest silk lining inside you ever saw, and a pair of gloves from Barbara, and a glass bottle with silver stopper from Jeremy. It seemed that she liked this last present best of all. She rushed up to Jeremy and kissed him in the wettest possible way. Oh, Jeremy, I am so glad. That's just what I wanted. I've never seen such a darling. I've never had any silver things to stand on my table, and Gladys Sampson has such a lot, and this is prettier than any that Gladys has. Oh, mother, do look. See what Jeremy's given me. Father, see what Jeremy's given me. Isn't it pretty, Miss Jones? You are a dear, Jeremy, and I'll have it all my life. Jeremy stood there, his heart like lead. It may be said with truth of him that never in his whole existence had he felt such shame as he did now. Mean, mean, mean! Suddenly, now that it was too late, he hated that book upstairs, lying safely in his bottom drawer. He didn't want ever to look at it again. And Mary! She must know that this was his old glass bottle that he had had so long. She had seen it a hundred times. It is true that he had rubbed it up and got the woman in the kitchen to polish the silver, but still she must know. He looked at her with new interest. Was it all acting, this enthusiasm? No, it was not. She was genuinely moved and delighted. Was she pretending to herself that she had never seen it before, forcing herself to believe that it was new? He would keep the book and give it to her at Christmas. But that would not be the same thing. The deed was done now, the shabby, miserable deed. He did everything that he could to make her birthday a happy one. He was with her all the day. He allowed her to read to him a long piece of the story that she was then writing, a very tiresome business, because she could not read her own script, and because there were so many characters that he could never keep track of any of them. 
he went blackberrying with her in the afternoon and gave her all the best blackberries but nothing could raise his spirits the beautiful day said nothing to him he felt sick in the evening from eating too many blackberries and went to bed directly after supper four the days that followed could hardly help but be jolly because the weather was so lovely still breathless days when the world seemed to be painted in purple and blue on a wall of ivory when the sea came over the sand with a ripple of utter content when the moon appeared early in the evening a silver bow and mounted gently into a sky thick with stars when every sound the rattle of carts the barks of dogs the cries of men struck the air sharply like blows upon iron yet though the world was so lovely and every one even aunt amy was in the best and most contented tempers something hung over him like a black heavy cloth his pride in himself was gone he had done something shabbier than even the dean's earnest would do he continued to see mary with new eyes she was a decent kid he looked back over the past months and saw how much more decent she had been to him than he had been to her she had been irritating of course but then that was because she was a girl all girls were irritating just look at helen for instance meanwhile he never glanced at the book again it lay there neglected in its paper one day mary received in a letter a postal order for ten shillings this was a present from a distant aunt in america who had suddenly remembered mary's birthday filled with glee and self-importance she went in to st mary's with miss jones to spend it that evening when jeremy was washing his hands there was a knock on his door and mary's voice may i come in yes he said she came in her face colored with mysterious purpose in her hands she held a paper parcel oh are you washing your hands jeremy she said her favorite opening in conversation being always a question of the obvious the red evening sunlight flooded the room what is it jeremy asked her rather crossly she looked at him pleadingly as though begging him to save her from the difficulties of emotion and explanation that crowded in upon her oh jeremy st mary's was lovely and there was a man with an organ and a monkey and i gave the monkey a penny and it took it in its hand and took off its cap miss jones has got a cold she added and sneezed all the way home she always has a cold he said or something and it goes straight to her face when she has a cold and makes all her teeth ache not only one of them but all she isn't coming down to dinner she's gone to bed still he waited striving for politeness i've got something for you mary suddenly said dropping her voice in the sentimental manner that he hated then as though she were ashamed of what she had done she took the parcel to the bed and undid the paper with clumsy fingers there she said i got it for you because i thought you'd like it he looked at it it was a book it was swiss family robinson it was a companion to his robinson crusoe he stared at it he could say nothing you do like it don't you she asked gazing at him anxiously it's got lots and lots of pictures there was a funny shop at the end of the street and i went in with miss jones and the man was very nice and i thought it was just what you'd like you do like it don't you she asked again 
but he could only stare at it not coming forward to touch it he was buried deep deep in shame there came a rattle then on the door and helen's voice mary if you're in there with jeremy mother says you're to come at once and have your hair brushed because it's five minutes to supper oh dear i'd forgotten and with one last glance of anxiety towards jeremy she went still he did not move could anything possibly have happened to prove to him what a pig he was what a skunk and a cur mary had bought it with her own money five and threepence halfpenny out of ten shillings he did not touch the book but with chin set and eyes resolved he went down to supper when the meal was finished he said to mary come upstairs a minute i want to speak to you she followed him tremulously he seemed to be clothed in his domineering manner how often especially of late she had determined that she would not be afraid of him but would dig up from within her the common sense the easy companionship the laughter that were all there for him she knew could she only be at her ease she even sympathized with him in thinking her so often a fool she was a fool when she was with him simply because she cared for him so much and thought him so wonderful and so clever he didn't like the book he was going to thank her for it in the way that he had when he was trying to be polite and didn't find it easy she followed him into the bedroom he carefully closed the door she saw at once that the book lay exactly where she had placed it on the bed that he had not even opened it he regarded her sternly sit down in that chair he said she sat down look here you oughtn't to have given me that book you know that aunt lucy sent that money for you to spend on yourself i thought you'd like it she said pushing at her spectacles as she always did when she was distressed i do like it he said it's splendid but i've done something awful and i've got to tell you now you've given me that oh jeremy something awful what is it he set his jaw and without looking at her made his confession that day i went in with miss jones to say mary's i was going to buy you a present and i did buy you one i went into that same shop you went to and i bought robinson crusoe just like the one you bought me when i bought it i meant it for you of course but when i got home i liked it so much i kept it for myself and i gave you that old bottle instead and then i didn't like the rotten book after all and i've never looked at it since your birthday mary's pleasure at being made his confidant in this way was much greater than her horror at his crime her bosom heaved with gratified importance i've done things like that jeremy she said i got six handkerchiefs for miss jones one christmas and i kept three of them because i got a terrible bad cold just at the time that's not so bad he said shaking his head because i gave you an old thing that i've had for years no she interrupted i've wanted that bottle ever so long i used to go up to your room and look at it sometimes when you were at school he went to the drawer and produced robinson crusoe and gave it to her she accepted it gratefully but said and now i shall have to give you back the bottle oh no you won't but i can't have two presents yes you can i don't want the old bottle anyway i never use it for anything and now we'll each have a book so it won't be like a present exactly she smiled with pleasure oh i'm so glad you're not angry 
angry he repeated after her yes she said getting up from the bed where she had been sitting i thought you were when you asked me to come up here he looked at her puzzled she seemed to him a new mary whom he had never seen before am i often angry he asked not angry exactly but i get frightened that you are going to be cross and then i say the silliest things not because i want to but because i want to be clever and then of course i never am he stood staring at her am i as beastly as that he asked oh you're not beastly she reassured him never you're not forgetting her grammar and her eagerness but i'm afraid of you and i'm fonder of you than anybody lots fonder and i always say to myself now i'm not going to be silly this time and then i am i don't know why she sighed but i'm not nearly as silly as i seem she ended no she wasn't he suddenly saw that and he also suddenly saw that he had all this time been making a great mistake here was a possible companion not only possible but living breathing existing she was on her own tonight, neither fearful nor silly meeting him on his own level superior to him perhaps knowing more than he did about many things understanding his feelings i say mary we'll do things together i'm awfully lonely sometimes i want someone to tell things to often we'll have a great time next holidays it was the happiest moment of mary's life too much for her altogether she just nodded and clutching robinson crusoe to her ran End of chapter nine